This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. All right, hello everyone. Welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. My name is Steve. Hey everybody, this is Chris. Jesse here. That's what I'm doing for now. I'm just going right for it. This is very direct. It. There was yes. like it's very it's very good. I need to change my up. I, I I always just say I always want to do something different, but I always kind of just under pressure, I just say the same exact thing week yeah. after week after week. I I, I was thinking like, oh, maybe I'll do a salutation in like a different language every every week, but then I don't want to come off as pretentious. There you go. So um, I'm just gonna say hello and howdy doody to you. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, hiya. Um well welcome cool. to the premiere geology podcast, the geology flannel cast, where we tackle the uh subjects no one else dares to. Yeah. Someone's, uh, got, someone's gotta do it. Someone's got to do it, or at least someone's got to do it with a little panache. You know what I'm saying? That's, I, yeah. That's what I think often every yeah. morning. <laughs> panache. Today is Panache Wednesday. Oh, I like the tie in there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, but we today yeah. we're going to be talking about impacts. Not just how impactful this podcast is on your life in general, but meteorite asteroid impacts on the planet and let's be honest this is a pretty impactful <laughs> podcast too it is uh i just thought back to that one email we got about impacts <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep uh the trolls two, the two, trolls two were emails uh, yeah, two we, emails we got the a trolls were uh interesting emails. coming in hot yeah coming in hot uh, you know, you can't win them all. That's the way I look at <laughs> yeah. life. Uh, I don't even think it was a troll. I think it was just someone like, I don't know. It, it was, it was I, odd. I couldn't tell if they were happy or angry. I couldn't tell it either. But anyway, um, can, we, can we read it? No, we? <laughs> maybe for our Patreon extra, but it, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a ranty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Save it for the after dark geology after dark. There you go. Uh, but this is what I'm calling the Patreon extra now. <laughs> nice. Uh, today we'll be talking about the Chicxulub impact that happened 66 million years ago next month, apparently. That, that was a that's that was a long time ago. It was. Like too long. Too but long. not like super, super long. No, in the, in the grand, grand scheme, scheme of things. things. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, you know, we're more closely related to the T-Rex than the T-Rex is to Triceratops? Stegosaurus. 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 Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was a Triceratops and T Rex were buddies. Yeah. 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 Um, buddies, bud. Now, <laughs> I say it happened 66 million years ago next month because there was a new study out that indicates what season the impact actually hit. So we, we know what time of year that asteroid impacted the That's Iberian Peninsula. It it's incredibly wild. Like if, if someone were to tell me this five years ago, I'd be like, no way. No way, yeah. Jose. Stop it. That's what I would say. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Um so what what we're talking about 
uh, there's this site in North Dakota uh, nicknamed Tanis after the lost ancient Egypt city. Um, and the only reason I know the city of Tanis is from Indi- Indiana Jones. That's right. Yeah. Raider, is it Raiders. Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Raiders Star, yeah. As soon as I, it's Tanis, I was like, Oh, you know, that's, the map, the map room. <laughs> that yeah, That's what they're excavating when, when he falls in yeah. and he has the, the staff of raw. Oh yeah. Um, and the Nazi staff was too long. Did we? Yep. Yeah. Nazis hate those guys. Um, <laughs> Did we do an episode on Tana? I feel like we did an episode. I thought we did like we a did not. April. This is the first I've ever hearing of this. Oh, so. man. We yeah, we haven't done one on Tanis. I have our, our master list up here. It, well, I mean, there's yeah. Do you know about it? I mean, do you remember reading about it? All I know is I'm reading about it right now, and it's located on the Tantic branch of the Nile. No, well, that's the the actual city of Tanis. I'm talking about the fossil site. Yeah. So oh. this this fossil site <laughs> Listen, is in, this is, Egyptian thing's got me going. <laughs> I mean, it is. I yeah. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to anger the paleontologist more than we're about to when we try and fumble <laughs> our way through this. That's true. But uh, the Tanis site might be more interesting than the than the I don't know the bone bed. Ooh. Yeah. There. That's I call the fossil site a bone bed. So you're, which one's more, we should, uh, Maddie, one of our awesome Patreon listeners who's helping us out with our Instagram, maybe we can make that next week's poll. What's more interesting, the ancient Egyptian city of Tanis or the Tanis site in North Dakota? Dum, dum, dum. dum I feel it's going to be very, uh, div- uh, that's going to divide the geologists, I think. From now, the, the anthropologists uh, or archaeologists. <laughs> It's just going to polarize the geologist because what if yeah, you like? Let's, uh, let's, we want to be a podcast of unity. <laughs> you want to be a lumper, not a splitter. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know? I just figured this. I just found this out. I didn't personally figure it out. I found it. Out. Um, <clears throat> Chicxulub. I was trying to figure out what Chicxulub. You know what the meaning of of the because it's you know the town or the the area off the where the crater is where the impact was mm-hmm. in the Yucatan Peninsula there. And it's from the Yucatan Maya language. And it means the devil's flea. Mm. Flitch. Flea. Flea. As in like a bug that hot- bites you and makes you itchy. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <Devil's> <laughs> flea. Like red hot chili peppers. <laughs> yeah. The basis. for the <laughs> Yes. That's what the, the ancient minds were referring to. It's <laughs> yeah, very specific. Very, very specific. As it was foretold, he came out in his underwear playing in space or whatever. <laughs> uh under the bridge downtown. Um yeah, so this this uh Tannis site is in the Hell Creek formation in North Dakota. So the Hell wow. Creek formation is it's a pretty important formation. This is the one that's got all of the uh, late Cretaceous dinosaurs in. And if you want to find a Triceratops, you go into the Hell Creek formation. You want to find a Tyrannosaur, that's the that's the one to, to go into. It's it's super well known in the in the paleontological community. Yeah, I think that's I mean, this it's so yeah, you find it all out in the in the upper Midwest, you know. 
South yeah, what's Dakota. the extent of it? Do you know any of you guys off the top of your head know the extent of the Hell Creek Formation? Uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana, and Wyoming. I want to say Wyoming too. Yeah, I believe so. Um, but you like, gotta figure that was like the Western Interior Seaway ish yeah. area at the time. And so, like we when we had friend of the show Tim Davis on to talk talk a little shop about dinosaurs, we talked I think about the Bone Wars with uh, Edward Drinker Cope and the other guy mm-hmm. um and and when they were looting and 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 stealing fossils and whatnot i think a lot of it was from the hell creek mm, makes sense were drinker cope and who did he fight with it was cope and marsh marsh, marsh. Yeah. yeah um that was we didn't that was a patreon extra when we talked about that well yeah, so Di- Dinosaurs with Tim Davis was episode 43 and the Patreon extra from that day. It was Bone Wars? Yes, I guess Dinosaur Wars with Tim the Davis. The only way you'll hear it is to become a Patreon. <laughs> uh, perhaps we could revisit it for us. Uh, I know those, those guys friends, they, but like, tried to kill each other. It was like they just damaged each other's reputation. Like it, it was, yeah, it was no bueno. That's not the way it's gentlemen scientists should act. It's also where the term copper lake comes from. Yes, that's right. Cope. Oh. Yes. Oh, because it was poop. Yeah. Marsh <laughs> found fossilized poop and he goes, I want to name this after Cope. And oh. that's where copper, copper lake comes from. That's just goodness, mean. Goodness gracious. Hilarious. Like if somebody named a copper lake after me, I would laugh. I'm like, I am honored. Thank you. This is <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's get back to our perfectly formatted document here. Yeah, going a little I, off topic here. Uh, that was that was that was nice. I wish I wish we were recording for before the show. That was it was just too perfect. We we did have a, a pretty pretty interesting conversation about formatting documents and uh, right before we started recording. Um, but we would like to take this time to thank our sponsor, the Formatting Formula formattingformula.com or youtube forward slash c forward slash formatting formula for all of your word document formatting needs um they can do anything from you know helping you embed figures to i don't know simple stuff like page numbers uh headers footers all that stuff they have these wonderful nicely paced videos on youtube that you can just watch and um you know, it, it really does help me out a lot, but also if you're super lazy like me, you just email them and say, here, fix it. And then they're great and they fix it for you. But if you do email them or if you do check them out on YouTube, drop them a little comment and say, hey, Geology Flannel Cast sent you. I know a couple of weeks ago, somebody talked about, uh, you know, this is more fun than a bucket full of African elephants. So uh, the formatting formula reached out and said, do you know what this is in reference to? And I said, of course I do. <laughs> That's a great unit of measure. So, yeah. by the way, it's, it's a pretty big bucket. Yeah. It's so, uh, yeah, yeah, at least check them out. Formattingformula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. That's all I got. Uh, I was just thinking, I wonder how big that bucket would be. At least five gallons. At least. <laughs> that, that might Me. be a 55 gallon drum. Yeah. So, back. Back to Tannis, North Dakota. Um, like Chris was saying, the Hell Creek Formation is where you want to see all the dinosaurs. And then 
So that's the perfect spot to look for this impact because where, where you have all the dinosaurs and then just above it, where you don't have any more dinosaurs. So that's what we call the KPG boundary. And but if you're formerly yourself, known, formerly known as the KT boundary. Yes. So Cretaceous to tertiary. But, but now the PG stands for paleogene now. Yep. And the K is for Cretaceous because I think the C was already taken. <laughs> yeah, Cambrian. Um, is it? Is it carboniferous or no? Yeah, carbon. Well, I don't even know. Does carbon? I only know Pennsylvanian and Mississippi and the P and the M. But there's the C with the line through for Cambrian. Mm -hmm. But does I'm just wondering is is it like in Latin? No, it's Creta in Latin. Oh, it's German. The Ger I knew it was. Oh, I was going to say, gonna say that. I it was right yeah. though. Cryday. Pride, there you go. Right. So that's why it's the KPG boundary. So if you've, if you've probably, I don't know, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you've heard of the KT boundary before. Um, but it is now formally recognized as the KPG boundary. I mean, I say now it's been probably a decade or more um, since it's been called the KPG. Um, but this, you know, in this Hell Creek formation, this is where you'd want to look to find that that you know any sort of remnants from that impact crater um so this guy de palma found telltale signs of the kpg impact at the site with sediments including bits of shock quartz um shock plenty quartz. of impact debris um things called tectites mm. and te tectites are formed when you have an impact and it hits with such velocity ferocity Lots of other osities. Because I, I was really on the edge of my seat. I thought you had. Yeah, I just there. wonder where you're going with this velocity, one. Was... Velocity. Uh, oh man. Yeah. So, uh, but it it the impact has so much energy that it actually melts the rock and vaporizes the rock and blasts it up into the air. So you end up mm -hmm. with actual molten rock in the air. And when 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 it cools down, when rock cools down quickly, it becomes essentially glass and these this glass that rains down from the sky are called tectites you know sometimes tectites can actually get blasted out of the atmosphere and they show yeah. signs of re-entry yeah and so it's like a double whammy like the rock comes in boom blasts out melts the melts like the the surrounding soil or whatever um that stuff blasted out to space and then the earth's gravity brings it back in and I've heard different different reports on this, so I'm not going to say for certain how long. But I mean, these tectites I've read rain down from anywhere from like an hour to a day. Um, so I'm I'm not really sure. I didn't go that in depth into all the research to figure out which which is true. Um, well, you know either, that was one of the things with uh, with this Chicxulub impact that did a lot of damage. I was um, um, this was a radio lab podcast and they did a, a really great job explaining this, like basically these tectites. Well, it's okay. So yeah. So just turn this podcast off and go look up radio lab. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. All right. This is better than radio lab. Um, uh, so basically all that, this, so 
they were talking about all the different ways that you could die from the from the chicks lube impact, right? So there's a lot of different ways. But one of the things that they said was happening was there was so much debris that left got basically got flung out of the Earth's atmosphere and it started to re-enter. And there was so much stuff that started to re-enter at the same time that it heated up parts of the earth to like 400 degrees. So it's the same thing as like some of these dinosaurs are getting baked because it was like being put in a pizza oven. And it's just from all that, all that re-entry material. It also, the re-entry, some of it, if it's still hot, when it lands, it can ignite things. And so you saw wildfires, like there's a big charcoal layer in Colorado. So a distance away from the actual impact site, um, <clears throat> right at the at the KPG boundary, that is thought to have been ignition from this. Yeah, and you're you're talking North Dakota. We we know colleagues who have found shock quartz in New Jersey. You have charcoal beds in oh, Colorado. Yeah. So I mean, there's this this had an impact far and wide. Um, so the interesting thing about these tektites is. They actually found some like in the gill region of fossilized fish. So like these fish were alive that day that these tektites rained down and then, you know, either died from yeah that or. So part of this, sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. <laughs> um, part of the tannocyte from what I wrote. So I think. It made a big splash, pun intended, coming up here in a second, um, because it was thought that it's the banks of like this river that was feeding into, I guess, the Western Interior Seaway. And so the thought was that this site was buried like hours after the event where the tsunami that rolled up the Western Interior Seaway went up this, this river and flooded the site. And so that that was sort of the big thing about this site. It was supposedly, you know, you get all these, you know, complete skeletons and whatnot, like buried almost instantly after the the event itself, minutes to hours. Mm. And so, you know, I remember this, it it made sort of a, a big deal. It's it's a very interesting story too, the the whole like because they they haven't disclosed where the site is. Correct. Yeah, and and it wasn't uh, a lot of the samples weren't available for other scientists for like peer yeah. review and things like that. And and they they actually did studies, and they're saying that the distance from Chicxulub to this site it would have taken tsunamis sixteen hours <clears throat> or so to reach the site. So now they're at this particular site, they're saying that this is going to be, this is probably from sloshing back and forth from like Sechi waves from like the, the earthquake waves. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's yeah. Seish. Seish. Sorry. I always want to pronounce it Sechi. I, I kind of like Sechi better. <laughs> Seish waves. So essentially those are, um, you know, you, you get shaking of the ground surface um, and the the way that like this uh, National Geographic apps, uh, article said, like, remember how the dinosaur made the cup of water vibrate when it was nearby in Jurassic Park? It's like, imagine that, but for a giant lake. 
Like you're just shaking everything around. And they're saying this because the tektites, um, they're not just in one nice, neat layer. They're like all swashed and mixed up. And like some of them, you can actually see like soft sediment deformation of where they landed. Um, again, some of them were in, in the fish itself. Um, some actually became, some of these tektites became fossilized in amber, which is pretty neat. Um, so it, you got this, amber with tektites in them. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's, so that's ridiculous. Um, so that means then, the tektite slammed into a tree with a little bit of sap coming off of the side and just got yep. stuck. Yep. Wow. Or who knows, you know, an earlier tektite made a rip a hole in the tree and then the tree started leaking out sap or whatever. But yeah, the, the, from the description of this place, there's just massive amounts of exquisitely preserved um, fossils. So that, that was like the, the 2019 article. And then a lot of people had some, like he, he kind of published some stuff and not published, but like put some stuff out in 2013, 2016, and then came out with this article in 2019. And a lot of people were like, eh, you know, had some questions again, mostly haters hating. Cause they're just jealous that this guy has a sweet <laughs> site, but some of it has to do with like, Hey, all right, well, if you're so sure, then let us, let us test your hypotheses here which, you know, is totally valid in the scientific realm. That's how science works. Yep. It's science. It's like magic, Re- but real. Got to be reproducible. Um, so then there's this 2021 study that came out, and this gets to how we figured out what time of year that the impact happened. And then uh, you can make some inferences off of this as to how that actually affected us becoming on the planet. Um, so they scientists studied these fish um you know the the chicxulub asteroid impact uh extinction of the dinosaurs 75 percent of life on earth uh or so and it happened in the spring um so radiometric dating fossil pollen index fossils and then that capping layer of clay that was iridium rich um mm-hmm. and iridium is very rare on the crust of the planet but it's a mm-hmm. slightly more abundant in asteroids so that's another line of evidence saying like oh this asteroid with iridium in it slammed into the ground vaporized and then rained back down so they have radiometric dating stratigraphy fossil pollen um and this capping layer of iridium kind of you know triple whammy saying like yes this is the kt kpg boundary so so now now we've got the time frame locked down this is from the chicxulub impact then they took some of those fish especially the fish w- with these tektites in it and they analyzed their bones and the bones have almost like a seasonality to them like imagine like varves in a lake or um you know, layers in an ice core or something like that. So they have uh, this growth pattern over a year and then it repeats again and again and again. And you can kind of see how old these fish are, what, what time, what, you know, season it was for that fish when it died. <clears throat> um, so, you know, this is really pretty interesting stuff. So they, they've done isotope analysis on these bones. Um, also, I, they, they did some, um, 
synchrotron work on these bones too. So it's like, again, two lines of evidence proving that this is not just, you know, baloney pulling it out of their took us. Um, but they compared the size of the youngest fish to modern growth rates enabled them to predict how long after hatching the fish were buried comparing this to known modern spawning seasons enabled them to decide which seasonal range represented the deposit at tanis and it was spring to summer so the, um and then the inferences from this are okay so you're spring to summer in north dakota which was in the northern hemisphere at the time yeah so all everything on the northern hemisphere was kind of like just newly born you know just hatched just coming out of their long winter's nap if you will um probably at their most vulnerable as far as and then this lovely go. tsunami comes up the river and just and then you have all the critters in the southern hemisphere that may have been you know slowing down for the winter bogged down for the winter whatever you know getting ready to go into winter yeah it would have been fall and they're they're saying that that may have had a huge evolutionarily uh impact as to what what lived and what didn't based on what hemisphere you were in so if you were in the northern hemisphere when this hit chances are you were super vulnerable and you're going to die if you're in the southern hemisphere there's a slight slightly better chance that you were less vulnerable um and that you might have survived so unless you're a dinosaur all of them died well <laughs> well then the avian dinosaurs not yeah. avian dinosaurs yeah yeah i'm being i'm being pedantic <laughs> so it's uh it's just an interesting first of all that they could do that like that's super interesting that they could figure out like oh yeah look at these these guys you know might as well have time stamped it um you know, I listened to a scientist on the radio the other day talking about it. And they're like, yeah, we should just pick like, you know, April 12th, <laughs> like just pick a day and call it like chicks loom impact day or something like that. And I was like, I'd, I'd be down for that. <laughs> like let these scientists get together and just pick a day and call it. We could have an actual day when the Mesozoic era ended. Yeah, exactly. So that's, yeah, that's the quip I was getting to at the very beginning of the con. Uh, podcast saying mm-hmm. 66 million years ago next month because <laughs> it would have been spring well spring to summer so it might have been anywhere from who knows march to june yeah and again i, I don't know what latitude north dakota was at but in but, 66 right, here's, million years ago how much slower did the earth spin 66 million years ago yeah, can we can we um, can we back calculate Milankovitch to figure out like how we were tilted and what our procession was? Oh, I'm sure. Like, I, what, we what, we personally know <laughs> what the yeah if it was spring, but like what the exact time of year it was. Or I wonder if there is a calculator out there that just like Milankovitch calculator right there I put it know how long the day was 66 million years ago probably i mean that's not that long ago it's probably only minutes shorter yeah yeah that, what, that was well, my i little, mean a, a three billion years ago was it was only a what 
an hour shorter, some two hours shorter. Yeah, that was some of my notes I have here in the outline is like, okay, they're comparing it to modern fish. So that's, you know, eh, I, I'm okay with that. But it's, it's, it is a bit of a leap saying like, yeah, fish 66 million years ago would have a spawning cycle the same and gestational cycles the same and things like that. I mean, it's, it's not that far off. I'm sure there are. Um, Actually, they found one of the fish's like date books, and that's how they pieced it together. Yeah, there was a birthday cake there. <laughs> well, yeah, it was all the clocks stopped, so that's how they knew. <laughs> Too sounds, soon. Too sounds soon. Sounds like a, a open and shut case right there. There you go. Um, yeah, so that's just a, you know. Yeah, that's <laughs> wild. So, springtime impact. Now, what's the? Uh, I guess it wouldn't have any. What's the uh, the and the the twice the twice a year uh, biannual um, uh, uh, the season the, means. the thank you when um, biannual get together of uh, species that survived. No, there's that um, <laughs> really the, um, <laughs> when all the meteorites hit the Earth. It's called the um, Pleiades October and what's it called the Pleiades. Yeah, I think that is that what it is. I, I I can't remember the name of it. Like when we but, pass, when we have the, the meteor showers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think I think any Pleiades is one of the big ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, I don't know if it's a biannual. We'll the, the, the Chicks Lube impact or the, the asteroid is it just like a, like a random like was it was it uh, tied to anything like that or is it just like a random a random I thought, rock? I remember. Kinda... I remember a few years ago. There was some, you know, it may have just every every year, a few years, you always get these like headline grabbing studies. But I thought there was one where they either thought they found like a, a chunk of it where it had like broken off of where it broken from or a piece that had broken off of it, or they thought they found like the orbit it came from. Like, it, it, I think it came from deep, like the Oort cloud or something. Mm, okay. I don't know. I don't know though, because you don't really, I don't think you really find meteors or asteroids in the Oort cloud so much as comets. Comets, yeah. But, um, but a, yeah. yeah, there was a recent study that, that, uh, pretty definitively figured out the angle of impact. So it was actually a pretty steep impact, which is also, you know, has a lot to do with, um, you know, where the debris goes, how, how much it affects the planet, all that stuff. Um, and it was pretty steep. It was anywhere from 45 to 60 degrees, they think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. Um, you know, if you think about it, like, you know, a glancing blow is more likely um, <clears throat> as opposed to a more direct head-on impact because of just, you know, physics and things flying around the space, like the odds of them slamming into each other head on are kind of rare. Um, but they did all these studies and, uh, it was pretty interesting paper about they, they did gravity anomalies and debris fields and, um, you know, looked at all, all this different things. And then they ran these simulations and kept running the simulations at different angles to figure out, you know, what most closely, um, mimicked what is on the planet now and they figured out it's between uh 45 and 60 degrees is most likely 
So hmm. that's pretty steep. Yeah. Pretty steep. Pretty. I mean, <clears throat> it's, it is kind of crazy. It comes in, especially coming in that steep, you know, by the time it hits the crust, it's the, the it, part of it is still in the tropos or in the stratosphere, right? It's because it's yeah, so if it was big. that big, it's yeah, six miles, seven miles, so yeah, the size of Manhattan. How about yeah. that? I never really thought about that. So, yeah. this, uh, huh. and that's why you do tend to see debris pretty much evenly distributed around. You know, there's there's no like, oh, there's more to the northeast or the southwest or something like that. It's like pretty crazy. I never I never thought about that. You're right. Like if this thing was uh, assuming it was spherical, right? Seven, you know, they say it's seven miles wide or whatever. Um, that'd be uh, roughly thirty five thousand feet. That means when when part of it hits the surface, the top part of it is still like at the same altitude that jetliners are hanging out at. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes me think of that episode where Homer eats the insanity pepper and then he, oh. he pours the beer into his mouth, but the beer keeps evaporating before it hips his mouth <laughs> because his <laughs> tongue's so hot. So that would be like the asteroid coming in and like, you know, the bottom part of the asteroid is actually vaporizing as the top part is still, you know, cool from outer space. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. And plus these things are coming in fast. They're coming in at like Mach 50. Oh, yeah. That shoot. This study did have a speed for it. Um, it you, it, it you, wasn't that fast. Did you but, say Mach 50? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, so what is, what is Mach one? Sea level. It's like 700, 600, 600 miles an hour. I thought. Or 600 feet per second? Is it feet per second? Oh, 700 it's miles uh, an hour. 767 miles per hour. Which is about 600 feet per second. Yeah. Mach, yeah. So Mach 50 is 38,000 miles per hour, which <clears throat> pretty typical for an asteroid in space. That's really right. fast. So I mean, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't hear it coming. You'd see it, but it would be silence. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's going 50 mm. times faster than the... I, maybe it was Mach 40. Anyways, roughly ballpark. Just say roughly. Uh, two, they <laughs> used two impact speeds in this study that I'm looking at. 12 and 20 kilometers per second. Um, which is fast. Yeah. A kilometer in a second. Yeah. Because we were talking yeah. about 600 feet per second. To, uh, 20 kilometers per second is four, like 45,000 miles an hour. Yeah. So it's even faster than Mach 60. Yeah. Mach 50. Oh. That's pretty that's, fast. That, that yeah. thing's, thing's hauling ass across the sky. I think that's, we can all confirm that. <laughs> I think that's what the you know, the dinosaurs are thinking. What is that thing hauling ass? <laughs> it's not making any sound. <laughs> so have you ever seen any, like, you know, sometimes they have like some um, computer animated. Uh, reconstructions of what happens and sometimes you hear like the like the whooshing sound of that rock like whoosh boom you know you no no you don't you don't hear it it's going too fast <laughs> yeah but so, without that noise well i'm just saying it's just a scientific inaccuracy this is yeah, well covering the topics if, that nobody dares to touch all right if it and goes just, just if it goes sometimes. past if it goes past you then you you might have a chance to hear it 
if the sound if it catches goes past up. you, you would hear it after it passes you. Yeah, how long? Yeah. That, that's a good math. That that's a great like intro physics problem or something like how how many seconds after a pass by would you hear it? Uh, yeah, it's but not, it's that's not assuming, long because that's assuming it, that you don't constant. burn up. Well, yeah, because the, the friction my, of it going through the atmosphere, it's a no, fireball at that point. I'm well, in my concrete bunker with my aluminum suit on or whatever. Like, yeah, but you're going to it's constantly generating new sound, if you would, will. So it would only take 600 feet per second to reach you. So it only how to go far, like, though, that's a good point. How far past you? Would how it far be past like? you would it have to that's, be before you yeah. hear the first whoosh what? sound? Now, would you hear it with the pressure wave it created blow out your eardrums? Yes. Mm. Yeah, just like a sonic boom. Yeah. Yeah. Sonic boom. Uh, either way, you. <laughs> nice. Was that an <laughs> NBA jams? No. No, or, that's Street uh, Fighter. Street, Street Fighter. Fighter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> NBA jam boom shakalaka. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll get him. I was like the nail in the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> He's heating He's up. He's heating up. <laughs> um, uh, yeah either way you don't want you don't want to be on the planet when this is coming by uh but you know thank god some of these uh mammals were burrowing under the ground when this was happening what one of our listeners actually had a listener question like hey it did it was an interesting thought question and, and i'd like to get into it a little bit more in a later episode but like essentially did all the dinosaurs die like within the same hour <laughs> i don't think so no think a lot we, of them i think uh died a painful slow death of starvation starvation yeah. um i mean the higher up you are on the food web the worse off you are right yep. that's i think the way i think works. everyone got screwed because thing like the plants like every the the the, the sky was blocked there's no sunlight so the plants died if you ate the plants, you died. Yeah, I don't if think the ate- sky was blacked out for long periods of time, though. No, I think they f- they found like um like the ash and dust. It, it was only a couple of years. It wasn't. It well, wasn't two years will kill plant life. Well, I mean that's why there was a mass extinction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not trying to downplay it here. And, and again, it's it wasn't. But I guess the, the the point I'm trying to make is that like I don't think it matters where you are in the food web on the food chain, you're well, not gonna have a fun time. Uh, yeah, you're unless not you're no, unless you're a scavenger, and then it's just like an all you can eat buffet everywhere Jared you Puck. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, That's, this guy, you know, the ash was in the atmosphere, but there, you're still gonna have pockets of sun coming in here and there, and like it's not like a holistic like the sun turned off. I want to know how the crocodile survived. They were underwater. They're under, but I guess they're just scavengers. <laughs> they can eat every, anything. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, the the animal that the, the mammal that survived was a little bigger than I actually thought it was, but it was like a beaver-like. It was called a multi-tuberculate, which a little too close to tuberculosis for me. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, but it. They, they think it was. It, it had really big molars so it could grind up food. Um, I guess, you know, they were sort of about the, a little bigger than rats, but, but moving bigger than rats, be- more than the beaver. Yeah. Sort of like, yeah, but close, I think closer to beavers, they were bigger than they thought. 
Um, but yeah, bigger than rats, smaller than beavers. Uh, oh, what do you think the um, the mammals reaction was when he found out all the dinosaurs were dead? It's just like, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> I or maybe Freedom. it was like it's like Home Alone, the Kevin Arnold. Like, where is yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's like that awesome 80s movie, The Night of the Comet. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a I need to watch that again. I was also thinking of um, The Twilight Zone, where the guy has all the books, but he breaks uh, his glasses. Yes. It was finally time. Yeah. That, so, you know, did you guys ever hear about the, uh, the theory about uh, fungus, how fungus allowed mammals to, to really um, take charge after the dinosaurs died off? After after the impact, there's so Go much. On. There was after the impact, there was so much dead stuff all over the ground, <laughs> and it was dark, and it was like a perfect breeding ground for fungus to start decomposing all of the uh, all of the dead dead organic material. Right. So the question was, why did why didn't the reptiles take over? Because the reptiles were meaner, and uh, than than the mammals. And it turned out with all that fungus, um, the reptiles couldn't survive. So basically, mammals have a more uh, uh, a more uh, sophisticated uh, immune system than reptiles do. And so mammals can handle more fungus than reptiles. And that's what... Uh, so the reptiles were just, they, they just kind of uh, taken out by the fungus. Yeah, we're and just that- eating. Eating shrooms, the, the the mammals the mammals were able to to hang with the uh, with all that that fungus in the air and, and all over the place. So that, that's that was the it's, it's a theory, you know. That was the one theory about what I should say hypothesis why uh, why the mammals end up surviving it and the reptiles didn't weren't able to take out the mammals. Hmm. Interesting. There's a, another Radio Lab episode it's called Fungus <laughs> Among Us. I learned about that one from nice. Um, well, now that Chris is. Uh, done driving you from our podcast to the radio lab podcast um that is all i have on this topic gentlemen so about, it was it was a quick one i apologize but no it's well you want to take some uh listener questions i think we can save them for the patreon extra oh okay what do you think or, yeah we could do my t-rex oh yeah oh i'm sorry yes yeah let's do your t-rex well let's in the patreon extra oh got it I mean, yeah. Yeah. So is your text still valid? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah, I got nothing right now. All right. Uh, cool. So uh, I'm going to say, yeah, let's let's wrap this up. Sorry Keep for the short, short and sweet this week. Yeah. Short episode, but um, I feel like it was impactful. <laughs> Did it pack um, a punch? Yeah. Uh, really burned me up. Hopefully it didn't burn you up. That it was so short. There you go. Uh, what is the song we're going out with? Oh boy. Uh Hit Me Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man, that is not at all where I thought you're going with this. I'm super I, yeah, happy with yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh you get hit with raining tectites and then a tsunami comes, and then you get, <laughs> you know, get hit with the dark planet and hit with fungus. Yeah, I love it. 
Um, all right. Well, thanks everybody. Thank you to our Patreons out there. We really, really appreciate you. Um, thank you to all our listeners. We're going to have a listener question episode coming up very, very soon. Um, please yeah, keep so them if coming. If you got any, get them in. Yeah. Get them in. Um, actually, we, we have so many um, that it, we had a flurry of emails in the last two months, which is fantastic. Um, <laughs> on average, when we check them every, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we had one awesome listener who, who listed like 10 fantastic tom- topics. I'm like, oh, man, this is like half a year's worth of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, please keep them coming. Uh, you know, it helps us out and, and we want to keep you engaged and interested. So and also if we we're trying our best to respond to as many emails as we can, but we just got so we got nailed with emails and we just couldn't couldn't respond to them all. So if we didn't get back to you, we're really sorry. We're trying to get back to as many as we can, but we just we just got nailed with them. So we did uh, read them, but yeah, I, I feel like with emails, especially when I read them, I get paralyzed and sometimes I answer in my head and I just assume that's good enough. Yep. So basically Jesse's <laughs> trying to telepathically communicate with you and just, you know, I open assume, up your mind more, you know, yeah, one assume, random day you walked into the kitchen and you couldn't remember what you were doing. And then all of a sudden, like, some geology fact jumps in your brain. That's just Jesse. Yeah. I assume you got my telepathic message and you're the rude one who hasn't responded. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but we're, we're getting better with this and uh, yeah, please keep them coming and uh, look for that episode coming up very, very soon. Yeah. So thanks again to everyone out there. Oh, also, so if you want to help out the podcast, we have a Patreon site, uh, patreon.com slash geologyflannelcast. Uh, you check out the different tiers of membership and the different things, like different perks with each tier. Also, we have some uh, merch at uh, geologyflannelcast.com. Uh, uh, one, page, uh, one question was, why don't we have flannel shirts for merch? Because it's actually really expensive <laughs> for that. There you go. <laughs> So, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have them on there. They'll just be $80 shirts. <laughs> yeah. Question asked, question answered. There you go. Yeah. We, uh, you see, when you buy merch, you can't just buy, you know, a couple, couple shirts. You got to buy them in bulk and you have to buy like many size, many, many different, you know, many sizes and a bunch of different sizes. You end up getting like, I, I, we don't have the money to buy a hundred flannels right now. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> <laughs> not yet, not yet, at least not yet, at least, but uh, maybe in the future, if there's enough demand, but as of right now, um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to put that one on hold there. But um, anyways, check out the flannel cast coffee mug. Also pick up some flannel cast stickers at geologyflannelcast.com. They're very reasonably priced. And uh Take a picture of your favorite geology outcrop with a flannel cast sticker, send it to our Instagram account, and uh, we will uh, we'll post it up there on the Instagram account. So if you uh, send us your pictures of the flannel cast sticker out in Mother Nature, we'll put it on the put it on the uh, the flannel cast uh, Instagram. Sounds awesome. All right, awesome. Thanks for and thank you for people that have sent in their their pictures too of uh, yes. The stickers out in nature. Yeah. In the cool stuff. We love it. We love it. Hit so, me, baby, one more time. There you go. Uh, <laughs> on that note, take care. And uh, we'll see you guys next week with another fun and 
impact. You said impactful. I can't think yeah. of anything else. <laughs> pun. Uh, just uh, download us next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for stopping. Bye.